Holy Spirit, pray that you would come and use God's word to help us live in the power of Jesus' resurrection. We pray this in his name. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. If you think that the rivalry between the Cougars and the Huskies is intense, you should see Stanford and Cal. And there's this one moment in that rivalry that, that kind of stands out, and some of you probably know about it. It was a football game where Stanford was ahead by one point with only four seconds left in the game. And it looked like they'd won, so a lot of people were already leaving the stadium. But on the last play, Cal got the ball and did a bunch of lateral passes down the field. Then the clock ran out. The Stanford band didn't realize that the play would still count, so they rushed on the field to celebrate their victory. But the Cal players started using the band members as blockers <laughs> and ran, sorry guys, ran through the end zone, taking out a tuba player when he did it. <laughs> Cal won the game. In the Bay Area, that is known as the play, except at Stanford, where we called it Black Saturday. <laughs> and it makes a very important point. It ain't over till it's over. And that's a great way to describe Easter. Just parenthetically, it also would have been a better title for this sermon, but I had to pick the title two weeks ago before I wrote the sermon, so the title in your bulletin has nothing to do with this sermon. <laughs> so just change it in your mind to there. <laughs> On Good Friday, when they crucified Jesus, it looked like it was over. But when he was raised from the dead on Easter, it proved that God always has one more play. In 2009, what feels like it's over in your life right now, or at least in sorry shape. Your finances, job security, health. Maybe you're just bored and you want more adventure in life. Maybe it's a marriage that feels like it's over or the single life that's got you down. Whatever it is, Easter means it ain't over till it's over. God always has at least one more play. Because you see, when Jesus burst out of that tomb on Easter, that wasn't just a dead guy come back to life, though it was that. What also burst out of that tomb, though, was a whole new reality, a whole new paradigm. Something decidedly different had just happened. A man was raised from the dead. What came out of that tomb that first Easter was a whole new way of living where we can have adventure and joy and restored relationship, and most of all, a life where we have nothing to hide and nothing to fear. Because you see, if we really believed that Jesus was raised from the dead, then we would live a whole different kind of life than we really do. Because you see, Jesus has already conquered the worst thing that can happen to us, which is death. Now, in our culture, we kind of tend not to think about death. We, we try, to, try to, to, to deny it and not think about it. Sort of like Woody Allen who once said, I don't want to achieve immortality through my movies. I want to achieve it by not dying. Right? <laughs> but here's the deal. You're all going to die. I'm going to die. That's just the way it is. When I did my first interview with the search committee that brought me here, the oldest member on that committee was silent through the whole interview. And I was thinking, man, I am really blowing it with this guy. And finally, toward the end, he looked at me and he said, I'm old, and I'm only getting older. So I only have one question for you. How well do you do funerals? <laughs> at the time, I hadn't done any. So he said, well, you better learn. 
There's a man who knows his future. We're going to die. But here's the deal. Jesus conquered death and turned it into eternal life. And not just life after we die in heaven, but a new way of living right here, right now. We can, because of the resurrection, we can start living the eternal kind of life today. Because whether it's a dead career or a dead marriage or a health problem, Jesus flips death into a new kind of life. And I know some of you here today may not really believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. And I get that. I used to be an atheist. So in the bulletin, I've included some of the reasons I became convinced that Jesus' resurrection is just a historical fact. And I'd encourage you to read those along with one of the books that's listed there, especially one, The Case for Christ, written by an atheist journalist who set out to disprove the resurrection, became convinced it really happened. You've heard plenty of arguments for why Jesus wasn't raised from the dead. In order to have intellectual integrity, you need to look at a few of the reasons he was. Because if Jesus was raised from the dead, you got to say this, that's unique. No other religious figure did that. Only Jesus conquered death. And if he can do that, then what can he do with the things that seem dead in your life today? Fear, Jesus can turn that into courage. That's why in the scripture we read, both Jesus and the angels say, do not fear. They say it twice in a few verses. That is the message of Easter. Because Jesus has conquered death, we don't have to fear anything. We can start living that new kind of way right now with courage. Crucifixion was the favorite form of execution for the Romans, mostly because it was so gory it created a lot of fear. Sent a message, don't mess with Rome or else. And it worked. After Jesus was crucified, his disciples went into hiding, terrified they were going to be discovered. But then suddenly, a few days later, they were out telling folks that Jesus was raised from the dead, even though the penalty for that was getting beaten and eventually killed. Jesus made them brave. That's that new kind of living that the resurrection means. And through the power of his Holy Spirit, he can make you brave too. What are your fears? Marriage in trouble? I've seen dozens of marriages that look beyond repair completely healed. Financial worries, Jesus will provide. I have a friend who works for a Christian nonprofit that's been on the verge of going under for, for a couple of years. And they've been praying and praying about this. And then a while back, an organization was going through some of their old records from four years ago, discovered some money that they owed my friend's organization, and they gave it to him. So now they're up and running again. Jesus will provide, maybe not for your wants, but for your needs. And even if you lose your job, he will use that for good somehow, maybe to lead you to a better one. Or maybe what's getting at you right now is that you're bored with life. Jesus says the thief comes to steal and kill, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. The work of the devil is to get us concentrating on consuming and pleasure and comfort, all of which leads to boredom. But Jesus personally invites us into an adventure of bringing his new kind of living to the world. To bring, to, bring, to bring hope to the poor, to, to help heal broken hearts, to bring courage. One of the most meaningful things Jesus has done for me is taken a shy kid and through the nudges he has given me in prayer over the years, he has led me to adventures I never would have had if he hadn't led me to them. Last spring I was in Rwanda with others from this church and one day we took food to families who were very poor and we got to hear their stories, we got to pray with them, it was very moving. At this one point, we were surrounded by all of these kids, and they were singing these African songs that just had these great rhythms to them, right? And then we started to sing some of our American songs, which in comparison to theirs felt kind of bland, <laughs> like American cheese versus Tillamook cheddar, right? 
So then we tried to sing this little light of mine with rhythm, only we were rhythmically challenged, so it didn't work. And the kids were just kind of looking at us like they were thinking, y'all got some serious music issues. <laughs> but then they started clapping and adding their own rhythms, and they were laughing, and pretty soon we were laughing. And I thought, here I am, this guy who used to be so shy I could hardly speak to a store clerk in some remote village in Africa learning how to clap on the two and the four. Because Jesus personally led me there. I wouldn't have done it otherwise. Or how about shame? Jesus turns our shame into full acceptance, full pardon. And a lot of us feel burdened by shame because we all mess up, we miss the mark. The Bible calls that sin. And we try to hide it, pretend we're not doing it. But you know what? Life has a way of reminding us of, our, of the ways we've messed up, doesn't it? Especially if you have kids, right? There's a speaker named Charlie Shedd who used to do a talk called The Ten Commandments for Raising Perfect Children. Kind of makes you want to throw up, doesn't it? <laughs> but then life caught up with him and he and his wife had a child, so he changed the title of that talk to Ten Hints for Parents. <laughs> then they had a second and he changed the name of the talk to A Few Tentative Suggestions for Fellow Strugglers. <laughs> this is true, no lie. And by the time they had their third child, he just quit doing the talk altogether. Life has a way of reminding us of our failures, the little ones, but also the whoppers, the lies, the addictions, the ways we've hurt others. Our junk has a way of catching up with us, doesn't it? But on the cross, Jesus absorbed our sin and our shame, and he took the punishment deep in our hearts we know we deserve, so we didn't have to. Our sin has been accounted for. It has not been ignored. And he says to us, I love you just the way you are and not as you should be. And I also love you enough not to leave you the way I found you. The God of the universe loves us. We have nothing to feel shame over. Death, fear, shame, boredom, financial worries, health problems. God always has one more play. J Jesus' resurrection means we can enter into a new way of living free from all of those things. I recently heard about a man named Charles Allen who was a prominent attorney with a wife and two kids. And one night while he was coming home from work, he went over the handlebars of his motorcycle broke his neck and became a quadriplegic. But with Jesus, it ain't over till it's over. Because as Charles lay on the pavement waiting for someone to find him that night, a supernatural thing happened. He suddenly felt the presence of Jesus almost physical right there with him. And in his mind, he could hear Jesus saying, you are my son, and I'm going to be with you through this. And he said the presence of Jesus that night gave him, gave him an incredible sense of miraculous peace. Well, when he got out of the hospital, a friend drove him to the scene of the accident, and he noticed that the name of the street that it happened on was Calvary, the name of the hill that Jesus died on. And to him, that street sign was Jesus personally saying to him, I am ready to absorb the full impact of your tragedy and use it for good, just like I absorbed sin and death and suffering on the cross and turned it into forgiveness and hope and life. And Charles said, I knew that Jesus had redeemed my suffering on Calvary. Not that it was going to be easy, it wasn't. It took him years to fully grieve all that he had lost. It was hard. But Jesus was with him. Eventually, he got a wheelchair he could control with his mouth, and, and then Jesus began to lead him on a new adventure. He wanted to do something significant, and so in prayer, he started to feel Jesus nudging him to become a judge, which he did. But Jesus wasn't done, because again in prayer, Charles felt the desire to do something more for the people that he was sentencing to prison. So he started a prison ministry where he'd go into the prisons and counsel and pray with the men that he had sentenced to jail. 
And he'd talk about his life with them and how he'd learn through tragedy that with Jesus, it ain't over till it's over. God always has one more play. And he did that for over 10 years until a year ago he died. And at his funeral, a prison choir sang Amazing Grace, and a prisoner serving a life term talked about what Charles had meant to him. The prisoner said, quote, there are champions and there are champions, and then there are ordinary people made extraordinary by the power of God. Charles was one of those people. He changed my life, and I will never be the same. Becoming a quadriplegic is about as bad as it gets. I can't think of much worse. Not a good thing, but Jesus brought good out of it. Charles had a personal encounter with Jesus where he knew he wasn't alone. And Jesus led him into an adventure where he changed hundreds of lives. And even though his circumstances didn't change, Jesus changed Charles to be able to have joy. And he did have joy even in the middle of his circumstances. God took what was meant for evil and turned it into good. And actually, this is where my original title, Easter Judo, still applies. Because in Judo, you turn the force of your attacker's strength back against him to defeat him. And that's exactly what happened at Easter. It was sin that put Jesus on the cross, but he used the force of that sinful act to purchase our forgiveness and cancel sin. The devil threw death at Jesus, but he turned the force of that around into new life when he rose from the grave. Easter is God's cosmic act of judo. So what is coming at you full force? God always has one more play. Jesus can turn it to good. And if you don't know him, I would so encourage you to explore a relationship with him. Start talking to him. Read about him. If we could be helpful, go to this church or another one. If you've got questions, shoot one of our pastors an email. We'd love to talk. And if you do know Jesus, do you trust him? Faith is an acronym for forsaking all, I trust him. So how can you give Jesus the things that seem dead? Really stand on his resurrection, knowing that you can start living that new way of living, that new paradigm right now today, fearless, bold, unafraid for Jesus knowing that he always has one more play and there's nothing that can get in, his, get in the way of his plans for you. Recently read a story about a small business that was threatened to go under because a national chain store had bought up all the properties around it. Small businessman refused to sell, so the chain built their mega store all around his store and just hemmed him in, which threatened to put him out of business. Well, one day, the, the mega, on the day that the mega store opened, they, they had this giant banner stretching across their store that said, Grand Opening. But it ain't over till it's over, and the small businessman had one more play, so he put a banner on the outside of his store that said, Main Entrance. <laughs> Thank you, choir, for getting that. That's what Jesus did at Easter. He carved an entrance out of a tomb marked no exit, which means that whatever is hemming you in, it can't win. He has one more move. On Good Friday, when they crucified Jesus, I'm sure Satan did a little victory dance thinking he'd won the game, sort of like the Stanford band. But God had one more play, and by Easter, it was clear that Satan had lost. At the cross, the devil brought his best sauce. He took his best shot, and Jesus absorbed it, turned it into good, and looked at the devil and said, is that all you got? Because you're going to have to do a lot better than that if you're going to defeat me or my people. Because you see, Jesus lives. And because he lives, what do we have to fear about our jobs or the economy? He will always have one more play. He will provide. Because he lives, what do we have to lose from the things we feel shame over? If we know Jesus, he thinks we're great. We have nothing to be ashamed of. 
What do we have to lose from suffering? Because he lives, Jesus is always there to comfort us. And he has one more play and will turn it around into good. Because he lives, we have nothing to lose by embarking on an adventure with him to repair this world. What do we have to lose even in failure? Because he lives. And because he lives, it ain't over till it's over. Jesus always has one more play than the devil does which means there's no failure that can't be made victory, no sorrow that can't become joy, no suffering that won't be overcome, no fear that can't transform to courage, no death that doesn't end in new life, no letdown that isn't a setup for a comeback, no despair that can't be turned to joy, no enemy that isn't really our friend, and no adversity that isn't an opportunity in disguise. And not even death can stop us because the grave can't hold us. If we know Jesus, it ain't over till it's over because he lives. And because he lives, he always has one more play than the devil does. Good news, Lord. And if we really believed it, we would live different lives. So help us to really believe it so we can live bold, unashamed, and unafraid for you. In your name, amen.